Yo, what is going on everyone? My name is Nick or The Notorious Fantasy and in today's video we got my week number 16 running back start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. We're going to go through every single matchup on the week from Thursday to the Saturday games, the games on Sunday, and all the way up until the three games on Christmas. But before we talk about all of these games at the running back position, I would like to ask that if you guys are new to the channel and you're doing up enjoying today's video, that you please make sure to hit that subscribe subscribe button down below. And while you're down there, whether you are new to the channel or not, please make sure they do leave a like on today's video. It would help me out a ton. If you want to follow me on Twitter or X, please do so at NotoriousFNTSY. So without further ado, let's get into the semifinal edition week 16 running back start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. We begin with Thursday night football, the New Orleans Saints at the Los Angeles Rams, and this is a game that is very easy to dissect at the running back position. When it comes to Alvin Kamara, Derek Carr had a masterclass game on Sunday against the Giants, but despite that great game from Derek Carr, Kamara was a pretty middle-of-the-road running back in Week 15. Now, obviously, I'm not trying to rain all over Kamara's parade, as he did still score 16 points in that matchup, but I definitely expected something slightly better out of him. Now, regardless of how he played up against the Giants. Kamara is still a must-start running back every single week, and any given week, he could rip off two or more touchdowns, and I love him this week up against the LA Rams. Now, Jamal Williams has been a guy that has been very quiet all season long early on in the year. Kamara was suspended, and Jamal Williams was silent like the night where Santa Claus comes, right? And then, once Kamara returns, it's the same shit, right? Now, he's getting less touches, and he's still doing nothing. Now, recently, they have given him a bit of a bump up in terms of carries, but even with 8 to 10 carries, he just really isn't doing much, so I'm definitely not going to be starting Jamal Williams. When it comes to Kyron Williams, he had yet another top 10 performance last week up against the Commanders with 27 carries for 152 yards and 5 receptions on 7 targets for 3 yards with 1 touchdown. This is now his third straight week with over 20 carries facing a Saints defense. He is once again a must-start for me with top 5 upside. Royce Freeman with Kyron back taking the reins of the offense. There is no need to start Rolls Royce Freeman, who will get six or less touches every single week. To me, he is a very clear sit. Next up, we move to the beginning of the Saturday slate. We got two games on Saturday. This game, 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the Cincinnati Bengals at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, for me, they are essentially dead. They are like a werewolf that got shot by a silver bullet, right? Everyone's heard of that tale. That's how you take out a werewolf, a silver bullet, right? You got to use an onion, I think it is, to take out a vampire, right? Now, obviously, werewolves or vampires aren't true. At least I don't think so, but I uh, thought that was a good analogy to make. So Najee looked like straight up ass against the Colts in what I perceived to be a good matchup last week with 12 carries for 33 yards. I am simply tired of talking about this guy and certainly will not be starting him up against the Bengals defense. Now, Jalen Warren was fine last week up against the Colts 
and looked about 30 times better than Najee. But this team never, with Matt Canada, without Matt Canada, they refused to give Jalen Warren the correct amount of touches. 10 carries for 40 yards, 5 receptions on 6 targets for 28 yards. Now, if you still want to start Warren, then sure, I would definitely rather have Warren than Najee, but with Mason Rudolph, the red-nosed fucking reindeer, as the quarterback one, I want to stay away from this Steelers offense. For the Bengals, Joe Mixon found the end zone last week up against the code like Minnesota Vikings, which now marks three games in a row with one or more touchdown for Mixon. The matchup on paper here up against the Steelers is rough, right? Typically going up against the Steelers defense, you're not going to have your best day. So I'm fine with him being a lower end top 20 back, but I actually think that this week, Joe Mixon will play better than that because we just saw the Steelers get into a game where the defense was broken in half. The Steelers defense and their offense is more broken than Antonio Brown's brain. So I'm not going to sit here and give Mixon the gawk gawk 9,000 and say, hey, he's guaranteed to be a top 12 back, but at the very least up against the Steelers, I expect a top 18 game. Now, when it comes to Chase Brown, he's going to be a sit. I definitely like the upside that Chase Brown possesses, and I think that he actually looks really solid every single week. But when you get only around 10 touches a game and when you have a guy like Mixon ahead of you, unless he busts off like a huge run or a huge reception for a touchdown, you're probably going to end up sad. Again, I still think that Chase Brown's a very fun player to watch, but I won't go around touting him as a start. So he's going to be a sit for me on the week. Next up, we move to Saturday night football, the Buffalo Bills at the Los Angeles Chargers Christmas Eve Eve. Now, I've been talking about this all week on the video, so maybe you've heard this already, but if you want some extra brownie points with your girlfriend, your wife, your significant other, what you should do is just be like, you know what, there's a football game on tonight, honey, but let's go do something you want to do, right? Let's go watch the fucking Bachelor or Big Brother or whatever shows women like to watch, right? Let's go do something else, right? Get some extra brownie points in on Christmas Eve Eve because you already know on Christmas Eve, your ass is chilling on the couch watching seven hours of commercial-free football. So get those brownie points in early because no one wants to see the Bills absolutely ravaged the metaphorical butthole of the Los Angeles Chargers. So James Cook has been full on 50 shades of gray, chains and whips, dominating defenses in now four straight weeks as a top 12 back. Last week against a tough Dallas defense, he rushed 25 times for 179 yards, two receptions on three targets for 42 yards with two total touchdowns. The Chargers defense couldn't stop me if I went out there as the lead running back for the Buffalo Bills. And now with Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator, the floodgates have opened for James Cook being a league winner. And Cook isn't just a must-start top 12 running back. This is a guy that is top five, top five, top five in my rankings this week. Now, Latavius appears to be back as the RB2, rotating in and out with Ty Johnson, who is banged up as of right now with a shoulder injury. Now, even if Johnson does miss, I would stay away from Latavius Murray as... James Cook, brother of Dalvin Cook, 
is the clear workhorse in this offense. And this is a team now, when they love to run the rock, the upside of James Cook is incredibly high. Now, Austin Eckler played like absolute dog shit last week in Viva Las Vegas up against the Raiders. Five carries for nine yards, four receptions on six targets for 29 yards. While Eckler is falling down my rankings quicker than a grandma falls down the stairs in a life alert ad, I would definitely still have to rank Eckler as a start. Now, again, I'm not going to sit here and bang the drum for him as a top 12, top 24 even RB, right? He's in the running back three range outside of the top 24. But some of y'all might be stuck starting him. You might be stuck praying to the football gods above that Eckler has a decent game. I think maybe the firing of Brandon Staley will potentially re-energize this offense. But without Justin Herbert, the pervert, right? How high does the upside go for Eckler? Again, he still has that dog inside of him. That running back that carried you to fantasy football championships. But right now, that dog appears to be on a leash. So Eckler is a very low-end low end start. Now, Eckler might look bad, right? We might make fun of Austin Eckler, the guy with the bald head, Mr. Clean himself, but Kelly looks even worse. I am not going to waste my breath talking about this scrub. He is a clear sit for me. Next up, we move to the beginning of the Sunday slate, the Indianapolis Colts at the Atlanta Falcons. Now, rumor has it that Jonathan Taylor will return this week after missing the last three games with a thumb injury. Now, this is far from a guarantee, so I wouldn't say, hey, bet your house on Jonathan Taylor returning this week, because again, I think it's far from a guarantee, so this is something that you want to monitor all week long. Last time he played was back in week 12 up against the Buccaneers at home in Indy. He had 15 rushes for 91 yards and two tugs in that game. The Colts defense appears to be solid, and this matchup gives me reason to believe that Going up against a Falcons team that's pretty disheveled, the Colts will be able to hold on to a lead and churn the rock all game long. The Falcons are a fucking disaster, and I think Jonathan Taylor could easily return here to being a top 10 back. Now, if he doesn't end up playing, just disregard every single thing that I just said. Trey Sermon would be the RB2 if Zach Moss is out, because Zach Moss is also fucking hurt, all the running backs here are hurt in Indy, apparently, that would leave Trey Sermon as the RB1. If Moss and JT do not go, he'd be the RB1. Now, if Moss misses, Sermon's the RB2. Obviously, if Moss plays, Sermon's now the RB3, and Moss is the RB2. Sermon actually looked pretty good last week up against the Steelers. Sermon spread the good word with 17 rushes for 88 yards. But even if JT and Moss were both to miss, I think you're getting real cute if you're starting Trey Sermon, unless your running back core is obviously down astronomical. Now, Bijan Robinson really frustrated me last week. Bijan Robinson took my team, put him in a body bag, and threw him into the middle of the fucking ocean like they were pussy and Sopranos, right? That is what Bijan Robinson did to me. Point seven fucking fantasy points. Point seven. Point seven. And it, this is not just frustrating 
because, oh, Bijan shit the bed. It's because it felt like the promise was finally back. It felt like we were finally back to feeling confident Bijan Robinson, right? Coming out the bye week, everything's going fine and dandy. It's going so well. Three straight decent games, and two of those games were top 10 games. So it's like, holy guacamole. Bijan Robinson, Arthur Smith, they figured it out. It's time for Bijan to go to Pound Town last week. A great matchup against the Panthers. And guess what fucking happens? Point. Seven fantasy points. And I guess the saying of multiple things can't go good in a row for the Falcons is exactly true because Bijan was tossed aside last week. He was thrown like when Andy threw Woody onto the ground. Toy Story. I don't want to play with you anymore, man. Why the fuck are Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson working in when you have Bijan Robinson? It doesn't make sense. This team is so bad, they just lost to the Panthers. No one loses to the Panthers. No one. The Panthers are awful. Sorry for yelling. I really, I really am, but I'm just pissed off. This is a rainy game against the Panthers. It's raining, man. Hallelujah, right? It's raining. Everyone's wet. Everyone's slipping and sliding around. Where the Falcons should run a million times with Bijan, and they fade away from him like a fucking shot from Michael Jordan. Either way, I'm still going to start Bijan, right? Because... Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, can't fool me again, right? I'm probably going to get fooled again. But I'm fucking playing him because he's B. John Robinson. Okay? He's not going to be a top 12 running back in my rankings. He'll be a lower end running back too, but his floor is at an all-time low. Now, Tyler Algier out-touched Bijan last week. If me saying that doesn't make you a little bit frustrated, right, doesn't make your blood boil, then you might just be a Bijan hater. Algier had 14 carries for 45 yards and one reception for six yards. Even if he outtouches Bijan, he just isn't good enough to start. Next up, we move to the Seattle Seahawks at the Tennessee Titans and Kenneth Walker grabbed the Eagles' metaphorical defenses by the hair and raw-dogged them from the back to sweet, sweet victory from horse cock Drew Locke having 19 carries for Walker, 86 yards, three receptions on three targets for 26 yards, and a touchdown. Walker was the running back eight on the week, and he looked incredibly healthy. With him being the lead back up against a Titans defense that just got spread open by Devin Singletary, I expect a top 10 game out of Walker. He would be in the must-start category for me on the week. I definitely didn't have the highest of hopes for Walker entering into last week. I love the matchup against the Eagles, and he was still listed as a start. Charbonnet was a sit. But there were some worries about how much will he get jolted into the offense because... Wasn't sure if he was going to come back and have maybe just 15 touches, maybe just 10 touches, but he got 19 carries, three receptions. So it really does feel like Kenneth Walker's back to being in the good graces of fantasy owners. Now, Zach Charbonnet is now back to being an afterthought with Walker fully healthy. Despite how good Charbonnet was when Walker was out, there was only room for one metaphorical cowboy in the Seattle Seahawks backfield, and that guy's name is Kenneth Walker. Now, Derrick Henry who normally puts AFC South opponents in the figure four for a grand total of, drumroll please, five. Five fucking points. Now, with Will Levis dealing with a high ankle sprain, this game could get ugly. The problem is Henry is so good that you can't really bury him down the rankings. He's a lower end running back two for me this week. Again, I can't really sit him. But I'm starting to get very, very nervous about Derrick Henry. 
Tajay Spears. Now, this game to me feels like the quintessential Tajay Spears game, but both the Seahawks and the Titans are incredibly unpredictable, right? Maybe Ryan Tannehill comes out here as the starter. Looks like Ryan Tannehill from when he took over from Mariota, right? Maybe the Titans stay in this game. Maybe the Titans win this game, right? This game could easily end in a blowout by the Seahawks, or it could end up being a real low-scoring, boring game where Henry gets 30 fucking carries and scores the only touchdown in the game and has like 150 yards, right? I love the talent of Spears, but with his touches varying so much weekly, I would just dodge the Spears bullet and leave him on my bench. Next up, we move to the Detroit Lions at the Cold Like Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. If you guys have enjoyed today's video thus far, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. And while you're down there, make sure you leave a like on today's video as well. So for the Minnesota Vikings, Ty Chandler is in the low end running back to range for me. Now, if Alexander Madison does show up, then he'll get metaphorically stiff arm Derrick Henry style down to the fringe start range. O'Connell has given us head coach of the team confirmation that Chandler will be the guy going forward, but that does not mean that Madison will com completely just, you know, disappear. He's not going to be completely gone. Now, again, I think that the confirmation we got is very positive towards Chandler seeing more work. But Madison could still rear his ugly head. Madison could still look better than Chandler. So it doesn't give me the most confidence. Now, Chandler went off last week with 150 all-purpose yards and a score, which I can see him doing again up against a Lions defense that is dog shite outside of last week. The issue here is that I don't believe as much in Chandler as I do with the guys ranked above him. So that's why he might not be ranked as high as some of you guys might have assumed entering into this video. For the Vikings, Keen Noanguwu, I probably pronounced your name wrong again. I learned how to say it last week. Fucking forgot it already. Keen will be the running back too if Madison misses. He saw one whole touch last week. So even if he was the number two, you wouldn't start him. For the Lions, Jameer Gibbs is officially kind of hurtled over David Montgomery in my weekly rankings. Back-to-back -back weeks with one or more touchdowns. And last week, he hit the Broncos with the fucking 619 Rey Mysterio. 11 rushes for 100 yards and two receptions for eight yards with two total touchdowns in that game. Now, I still like the Vikings defense, right? I'm not going to sit here and pretend like the Vikings defense is now bad, but I don't think they have a match for the Luda Chris Speed that Gibbs possesses. He is a must-start running back for me as a top 12 back on the week. Now, David Montgomery, just like I said with Gibbs, Monty has been surpassed in a way by Gibbs in my rankings. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm magically now scared to start David Montgomery. That doesn't mean that David Montgomery has pulled a fucking Humpty Dumpty and fallen all the way outside of like the top 26 guys, right? He is still a mid-range running back too for me, right? He still has the upside to be a top 12 back. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like he doesn't. He's going to get a lot of carries, right? But the thing is, Gibbs is just much more efficient. 17 carries for 85 yards and two catches last week for negative three yards. Again. It might sound like in this, what I've been saying, I'm slandering Monty. I'm not trying to slander him at all. I'm a David Montgomery guy. Mid-range running back two feels fine for me. I just like Gibbs 
more. Next up, we move to the Washington Commanders at the New York Jumbo Jets. Now, in this game, there is only one running back that I like, and it's Brees Hall. Now, the Jets' offense was locked up like Tory Lanes last week against the Dolphins in Miami. They got super soaked 30-0. to zero. They couldn't score a single point. Hall had just six carries for 12 yards and one reception on two targets for six yards. This Jets' offensive line is a complete disaster. I don't even think they could stop me, right? I think I'm going to get through the defense like fucking Troy Polamalu and send Zach Wilson to the shadow realm, right? I'm hitting that C gap. Zach Wilson got hurt in that game. Now, I don't know if he was dehydrated, if he had a concussion, or if it was just a mix of everything. They didn't want to see Zach Wilson's head come out of there on a fucking stick. Now, again, I'm not rooting for injuries. I hope that's not what it sounded like. I definitely, after seeing what happened to Tua, I'm never going to sit here and be like, oh my God, injuries are funny, right? Just like, what I'm trying to say is that Zach Wilson got carved up in this game. He got hit hard in this game. But I still think that Zach Wilson could come back and play in this game. And to me, that means that a bounce back for Hall is eminent here. Prior to last week, he scored 27 fantasy points against the Texans. So he is clearly a guy that has that big play upside, that big game upside in front of him or inside of him. Hall's. The commander's defense is trash. This could easily be a game where Hall drops 20 plus points. Now, again. I'm not saying that's a guarantee, but at the very least, he should be a top 20 guy on the week. Before we move on into the rest of this game, though, I would like to give you guys a quick word for our friends and our sponsor over at Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best place to play NFL Pick'em in the whole entire universe, and today, Underdog Fantasy has a great offer for you guys. But first, before we get on into the offer, I do want to explain how the NFL Pick'em game works. So you have to pick a minimum of two players from at least two different teams. So we're going to be talking about Thursday Night Football, the Saints at the LA Rams. We're going to go with higher on the rushing yards for Alvin Kamara, higher than 49.5 rushing yards. And then we're going to go to the Rams and click on the other running back, Kyron Williams, higher than 88.5 rushing yards at both of these hit we'll get three times our entry fee now if we do three picks and they all hit it's six times four picks is 10 times and five picks is 20 times your entry fee now if you are new to underdog fantasy and use promo code notorious living in one of the states on your screen right now you will have a first match deposit bonus of up to a hundred dollars you deposit 100 they give you an additional 150 additional 50 25 additional 25 the minimum deposit on underdog fantasy is ten dollars if you have a gambling problem please make sure that you call 1-800-GAMBLER Back on into things here, Commanders at Jets. Dalvin Cook has been downright awful this season, averaging 3.2 yards per carry and barely getting five touches in most games. Even against the Commanders defense, that is, as his last name, Cooked, I'm not playing Dalvin Cook. Uh, Brian Robinson was definitely a guy this season that's been fine, right? I'm not going to be someone that just magically has turned my back on Brian Robinson and say that, oh, just, you know, change history and say that his season was shit, right? It wasn't. But with the demise of the commanders as a whole, I think even if he does return from this hamstring injury that could hamper him in this game, I just don't feel confident enough to start him in such a meaningful matchup for fantasy and I know the Jets defense just got slaughtered by the Dolphins I don't think the commanders are going to be able to do that now Antonio Gibson was a guy entering into last week I thought Gibson had the upside to go crazy as Brian Robinson was out right this is the perfect situation to where we see Antonio Gibson get a bunch of carries as well as a decent amount 
of targets. But I was beyond wrong as the commanders got spit roasted and had to fade away from the run early. While technically this game finished 28 to 20 up against the Rams with the Rams winning, this game was not close. This game was so bad that it got out of hand so early that they had to take Howell out of the game, put Jacoby Brissett in there for a comeback to occur. Gibson had four carries for 15 yards and five receptions for 20 yards. Even if Brian Robinson ends up missing against the Jets defense, I'm not going to be crazy and play him. This is a dumpster fire of an offense. The commanders feel like they're floating in the water. They are there like that video. Have you ever seen that video of Goofy just sitting in? He's like floating around. What is that called? Like a. Uh, like something you throw pennies in. You know what I'm talking about? Like a. Uh, oh, my God. Everyone in the comments. Nick, you fucking idiot. You don't know what this word is. You dumbass, everyone knows what this is. And I'm trying to think of it like as I'm talking, but my brain's racing a million times. Say, not a pond. It's not a pond. It's like you throw pennies in it, you throw change in it for like good luck. A fountain, a fountain. He was floating around in a fountain. That's how I feel with the commander's offense. They're just floating around. But Goofy was alive. I, I think the commander's offense is dead in the water. Next up, we move to the Green Bay Packers at the Carolina Panthers. Now everyone thinks I'm dumb because I can't remember what a fountain is called. But uh, Aaron Jones, I am scared of Aaron Jones. I'm going to be honest with you. He had 13 carries for 53 yards and went four for four like he was at Wendy's in the receiving game for 16 yards against the Bucks. I get that the Panthers defense is not very good against the run, but this Packers offense is going down the toilet. The team non-committal, like they do not commit at all to giving Aaron Jones the ball, and that really concerns me. He's a high-end running back three for me, and honestly, we've talked about a guy like Ty Chandler. I'm more confident in Ty Chandler. Jimmy Madison's out. I'm more confident in the running back on a team that reeks to high heaven in the same game Chuba Hubbard, I'm more confident in Chuba Hubbard than Aaron Jones because Aaron Jones isn't guaranteed to get 20-plus touches. Aaron Jones is not guaranteed to be very involved in this offense, especially if A.J. Dillon shows back up. This could just be a perfect split or a split that just barely favors Aaron Jones into making Aaron Jones a complete and utter fucking bum. I'm an Aaron Jones fan. I love when he scores three touchdowns, throws on the fucking sombrero, right? It's all fine and dandy. But right now at this point in the season, my hope is at an all-time low with Aaron Jones. A.J. Dillon, if he returns this week from a broken thumb, he will return directly to the fucking bench. This man averages 3.5 yards per carry. 3.5 yards per carry. And led me astray, because I was someone that kind of liked Dillon back in, like, May, June, very early on in the fantasy process. But even if Dillon returns and gets 10 or more touches, I just don't want to play this bum. I just think, I actually think he's bad. I've made this joke so many times. He has, he's built... Like a fucking Greek god. I know he's a little short, but I think those guys were short as well. Built like an Adonis, right? He's got the crazy legs. Now, sure, he doesn't have the hair, but at the end of the day, this is a guy built like someone who will barrel through the defense, and he doesn't. If he misses, we'll be back with Patrick Taylor, who's the solid playmaker, but he doesn't get enough touches to play him. For the Panthers, like I said, I like Chuba Hubbard a decent amount. Chuba continues to get fed like a contestant prior to going on The Biggest Loser. Three straight games with 20-plus touches. Last week against the Falcons, he had 22 carries for 87 yards and two receptions for 16 yards. The touchdowns for Chuba Hubbard have been an issue because they come far and few 
in between. Now, when you're getting this many touches a game, you'd be thinking you get some touchdowns, but when you're on the Panthers offense that uh, barely scores any fucking points, you got to be lucky if you're Chuba Hubbard to score a touchdown. Now, if he does score this week, then my oh my, he might be a top 12 running back. If not, he'll at least be a top 28 guy. He's a high-end running back three ahead of Aaron Jones. Now, Miles Sanders is a sit. Now, it may seem like I hate A.J. Dillon from what I've said, right? It may seem like I hate some of these players in these videos that I say, but no one makes me as mad as Miles Sanders. Now, I was someone that was straight up out on Miles Sanders. I told everyone I'm not drafting Miles Sanders. I don't want anything to do with Miles Sanders. And it seemed like everyone kind of wanted to, let's chase the money. Miles Sanders got paid. Well, to me, starting Miles Sanders, even when he was the guy, felt like getting kicked in the nuts. And then you fell over into like the Fortnite trap the spike Fortnite trap right and then like you leave with like three hp you get kicked in the nuts again and you're out for the count miles sanders straight up put a mask on and robbed the panthers for a contract he will never live up to this man averages 3.3 yards per carry get him off your fucking fantasy team next up we move to the cleveland browns at the houston texans now i personally Really like Jerome Ford. I think Jerome Ford, if given the correct opportunity, would be balling. But, and this is a big butt shout out, Layla Starr. He simply just doesn't get the touches that he needs for me to feel confident in him. Eight carries last week for 20 yards against Chicago. Eight carries with four receptions on five targets for 11 yards. He hasn't scored more than 15 points since week seven. I don't think Ford will end up being a huge bust by any means. So if you're stuck playing Ford, like you're going to be fine, right? He's going to keep your head above water in a way, but he's not going to have that huge game. His upside feels super limited. Thus me dubbing him as a sit. Now, Kareem Hunt last week has seven carries for eight yards. What a yards per carry number that is. And one reception for 12 yards. Hunt hasn't even been remotely solid since week eight. So he's a clear sit. Especially since I'm sitting Ford, like who I actually like. Ford gets more volume in the offense. There's really no need to chance things with Kareem Hunt. Now, for the Texans, last week I ended up with a metaphorical pie on my face after I said Devin Singletary was a sit. And that was very, 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 very wrong. Now, my thought process behind the sit made sense, right? As I was unsure on how this backfield would play out, right? We saw prior to that once. Pierce came back. There's a game where Pierce and Singletary are kind of even Stevens, right, in terms of touches. And we saw a game where Pierce dominated, another game where Singletary dominated the touches, the snaps. And then, last week, Singletary goes fucking gangbusters. It was very clear that Singletary's the lead back. Up against the Titans, he had 26 carries for 121 yards and four receptions on five targets for 49 yards. In that game, Singletary saw 75% of the snaps, Jaguars legend Daria Gunbowale saw 19, Pierce saw just 5%. It is very, very clear, crystal clear that this is Singletary's backfield again. And with Stroud potentially returning, the upside is huge for Singletary. Now, we got to put all that into to mind. Like, hey, Singletary's the guy. Stroud is coming back. All fine and dandy. But now you have to go up against the Cleveland Browns. So the Browns defense concerns me enough for me not to get unruly, unruly, right? And start banging the drum aggressively for Singletary as a top 12 guy. But he certainly has the upside as a low end running back too. Damian Pierce, based upon the snap count that we just talked about and the amount of touches that Pierce has gotten in the last two weeks, 
it is obvious that Pierce not only should be a sit, but should be cut from your fantasy football team. I talk about this all the time. I am a Damian Pierce truther, but he has looked like straight up ass this season and not the good kind of ass either. Next up, we move to the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the start of the four o'clock slate of games on Sunday. And we only have three games during the four o'clock slated game. So we got to make these count. We got some good matchups here though. So it should at least be exciting, even if there's only three games. Because we have obviously Sunday night football, and then we have two games on, or three games, I apologize, three games on Christmas. So we move now, start of the Saturday. The fuck was I talking about? Start of the four o'clock slated games. I just spaced completely airhead style here. Jags versus the Bucks. Now, there are a lot of running back rooms in the NFL that are hard to figure out every single week, right? We just talked about the Texans. It was very confusing. There's running back rooms where they're kind of flipping back and forth all year long, right? It's like asking your significant other what they want to eat and they can never figure it out, right? And you're giving them all these suggestions. Hey, let's go to Outback. Hey, let's go to Olive Garden. Hey, let's go to Five Guys, right? And let's go to fucking P.F. Chang's, right? And all of those suggestions just sound like the worst things possible. Like, like, like you just basically stabbed her, right? That's what it felt like to her. And then you just end up eating McDonald's, right? That's just what trying to figure out a lot of running back rooms look like in the NFL, right? Do you really want to like Najee versus Jalen Warren? Do you really want to start any of these guys, right? Here with the, with the Jaguars and with the Broncos, not the Broncos, the Buccaneers, sorry, wrong B team. They're both very cut and dry. I get that the Jaguars offense sucked. Terrible, right? The Jaguars offense got sunk like the fucking Titanic by the Ravens defense. And that ETN was on the struggle bus in that game. He scored just 10 fantasy points. But he is still the clear lead back on a team. Have a much softer matchup this week up against a Buccaneers defense that isn't the best. This man is the RB3 on the scene. So again, I get Nick. ETN played bad last week. I'm not panicking after one down game. ETN is a must-start top 10 back for me. Now, Deardis Johnson very evidently took over from Tank Bigsby as the running back two on this team, but that is not something new, right? We've known that for a while. Johnson looks great, pause, in certain situations, but as a whole, he's a five-touch-at-max type of a player. And with ETN, who is just a strong stranglehold, he's got the fucking Vader force choke over the backfield. I would rather just leave Johnson on the waivers. Rashad with two A's white is on a tear over his last nine games. Seven of those games, he's been a top 12 back. And two of those games where he fell outside the top 12, he was running back 13 and 19. Last week, he took the Packers to the cleaners in Green Bay with 21 carries for 89 yards and two receptions on two targets for 50 yards and a touchdown. Now, with three straight weeks inside the top 10, with a score in each of those top three or each of those top 10 games, three in a row, one touchdown in each game. White is a top six back for me weekly. Against the Jaguars, you definitely want to be starting, Mr. White. Chase Edmonds has looked way better this season compared to what he looked like last year, but improving from last year doesn't mean anything when you're getting three touches a game, so you're clearly going to sit him. Next up, we move to the Arizona Cardinals at the Chicago Bears. Now, the Chicago Bears backfield, another one of those 
where it seems kind of tough to assess every single week, right? Last week, Roshan led the running back room in snaps with 49%, followed by Foreman with 26%, and Herbert with 23%. The week prior, Foreman dominated the touches with 50, or with the snaps, with 55% of the snaps. Frankly, I have zero idea which one of these guys will end up getting the most touches every single week. And it feels like it's just a guessing game for everyone. Like the Bears just roll of they flip like a three-sided die, and whichever number it lands on, like one's Foreman, two is Johnson, three is Herbert, whichever one it lands on, that's gonna be the number one running back on the week because there's really no rhyme or reason to it. It would appear that Herbert isn't the answer in this equation, but maybe this week he ends up being the guy. Foreman just had six carries for negative six yards against Cleveland, so he's a clear sit. Roshan had five carries for 36 yards and four receptions for 24 yards. So I guess if my back was against the wall and I had to start one of these guys, sure, it would be Roshan Johnson, but I don't want to be starting any of them. For the Panthers, despite facing a, I would argue, an elite 49ers defense last week, that didn't matter at all because James Conner ran hog wild, 14 carries for 86 yards, and he had three receptions on three targets for three yards with a touchdown as a top 14 back. This week, he faces a very, very, very underrated Chicago Bears run defense. That does, to me, at least scream trouble for James Conner. And while I am worried, he has been a top 14 back in back-to-back -back games, which makes me inclined to not panic as much. He's a lower-end running back, too, for me this week. Mostly due to the matchup. That's Mare Di Marcado went off last week with four rushes. And that wasn't even like hyperbolic. He actually went off. To be honest with you, I don't even remember this. Like I was looking at the stats. I write all the stats down right for the video so I can fucking read them off to you. But I was shocked that he had 64 rushing yards on four rushes and one reception for six yards. He scored a touchdown. Again, I just don't know why that was just not in my brain, but it wasn't. Despite the Cardinals getting smacked, both backs look great. With that said, if he is only getting a max five touches every single game, like he's not going to do what he did against the 49ers every week. So you kind of got to sit him. Next up, we move to the Dallas Cowboys at the Miami Dolphins. What is being dubbed as the fraud bowl. My Dolphins versus the Cowboys. This is a game for me as a Dolphins fan that can ruin Christmas. Now, last year... On Christmas, the Dolphins lose to the Packers in the morning, bright and early. I get my gifts from my fiance, who was my girlfriend at that point, right? I was feeling good, feeling happy, hung out with my family. And then at one o'clock, it's fucking go time, baby. Me and my fiance are sitting down. I got the war paint on. I don't actually, but I'm like fired up. I'm ready to go. Dolphins lose and they lose in tragic fashion. They choke the game away to Aaron Rodgers, who has a concussion. I don't know this yet though, right? It's like, holy fuck. This can't get any worse, man. Christmas sucks. My Christmas is ruined, right? My pain is immeasurable. The day is ruined. You know what else happened that day? My dad had a heart attack. Now my dad is okay now. He was okay. You know, we had surgery a couple days later. He was fine, right? But for a very moment or a time, I realized where, hey, while I'm a huge football guy, I love the Dolphins, right? I basically sacrificed my fucking life for a Dolphin Super Bowl because it means so much to me. Family means more. So make sure you guys always remember that, right? I thought, hey, the day can't get any worse. My dad almost died. So could have gotten a lot worse. So this Christmas, this Christmas, I'm looking for the Dolphins. Give me a W because nothing could get worse than last year. It really couldn't. So even if the Dolphins lose, 
Hopefully my dad doesn't have another heart attack. Knock on wood. He's watching this probably. He'll have found that funny. So at least my dad will find that funny. So again, sorry to be a little too serious in this video, Nick. You're fucking, you joke around all the time. You try to have a fun time, which I do. Why'd you have to be so serious for a second? I apologize. And it is what it is, right? I'm just going to tell you like I, a couple of videos ago, I was telling you guys stories from my life. I like to tell you guys stories again. If I wasn't making fancy football videos, like I would like, I probably would be making like video game videos where I told stories or something. So I think fine to tell a story every once in a while, right? We don't have to stay on fucking topic for 15 minutes, right? If you wanted like just back to back getting fucking bukkake'd by fantasy information, you probably watch a different channel that doesn't get off the beaten path and talk about, you know, guys getting bukkake'd like we just talked about or random things. So yeah, that's kind of how, how this goes. So hit that like button, hit that subscribe button if you enjoy. So the fraud bowl back on into things, Dolphins, Cowboys in Miami. I need this game. I need this game so bad because I'm tired of hearing about how the Dolphins are frauds, the Dolphins is the Dolphins that. Now, I already know if the Dolphins lay the SmackDown brother on the Dallas Cowboys, it won't matter. People say the, the media, oh my God, it, was, it doesn't matter. The Cowboys are frauds, this, that, and the other thing. We'll get no credit for it, but it doesn't matter. I need this win. After we lost the Titans, we triumphantly beat the Jets. I need this W. I need, I need it so bad. I'm going to go to Santa's lap at the mall near my house fucking sit on his lap, pause, and be like, hey, I want a Dolphins W for Christmas, and hopefully Santa can bring it home. So Raheem, the wet dream Mostert, sliced and diced his way like he was playing fucking Fruit Ninja through the Jets' defense last week with 15 carries for 42 yards and two touchdowns. Mostert, despite being on the earth, walking with the goddamn dinosaurs, he's that old. <laughs> he is at a career year. He has 20 touchdowns, and he's the running back two on the season. He has now scored seven touchdowns in the last four games. Seven touchdowns in the last four games. I don't expect that to slow down up against a defense that just let James Cook go balls deep in him just a week ago. Mostert is a clear must-start top 12, top 10, maybe even top 5 back this week. Devin, two chains, Devin a chain. My confidence in A-Chain, Chain, however the hell you want to say his name. I apologize, Mr. A-Chain, or Mr. A-Chain, Devon. My confidence might be dwindling slightly, right? Coming down like the goddamn snow. But I do feel as though this will be a closer game that will lead the Dolphins to using A-Chain more as a part of the game plan. He had just nine carries last week for 32 yards and three receptions on three targets for 30 yards. In case you guys didn't know, this man is really fast. He averages 8.5 yards per carry. And while his floor isn't necessarily as high as I would want it to be, the ceiling is the moon. I expect his best game in his last two games, out of his last two games, so pretty bad last two games. I expect his best game to be up against Dallas as a top 20 back. Now, the Dallas Cowboys were the laughing stock of the NFL last week as the Buffalo Bills bullied them. The Buffalo Bullies, right? All game long, this game comes out and they're just smacking them around, right? It's like Will Smith style, just a smack, 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 fucking front hand, back hand, all game long, I'm bolly whopping. And that really hurt Tony Pollard, obviously, because he's a running back, and their offense was completely limp dick. Pollard had 11 carries for 52 yards and two receptions on three targets for five yards, finishing outside of the top 30. This was quite the fall from grace from a guy that the previous four games was a top 16 back in all those games. I won't panic on Pollard. I'm not going to. Because I think based upon, I understand Pollard had a rough start to the season, but recently he's really put it together. So I'm not going to panic after one down game, but of course I'm a little bit more nervous compared to normal. He should still be a top 20 back this week. But again, 
There's a little red flag on him. I'm a little bit worried. Rico Dowdle, since the Cowboys stunk it up, so did Rico. You might just get hit with the Rico Me Billy. This guy is a eight-touch max player in most games, and I'm not willing to start him in a game that I'm, I'm not saying it's going to, but it, it could get ugly. Cowboys come out flat like Stanley once again. Now we move to, because you waited all day for Sunday night. The Patriots at the Denver Broncos Christmas Eve night. This is another game that I actually do think will be, I think this game's going to be better than people do. And other people do, 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 uh, do, 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 um, I think this game's going to be a little bit better than people think it will be. But again, this is another game where, hey, get those brownie points, go to bed, you know, or go, go lay the presents out for your kids. Actually, don't do that because Santa does that. Go put your gifts out next to Santa's gift. Children watching, obviously. Santa Claus is very real. So, Ezekiel, uh, shout out to Santa Claus, man. As a kid, I really did believe in Santa Claus. I think I was like nine when I stopped believing. I used to like write letters to Santa Claus. My parents would write back to me. It was very nice. And I never, like as a kid, I never realized like, hey, maybe that's like your mom's handwriting, you dumbass. But like, again, like I'm like nine so I, or eight, so I have no idea what my parents' handwriting looks like. So again, that being, being a kid, Christmas is very magical. At least for me. I know not everyone got that. So I'm very thankful parents for that and of course santa claus who was there for me so uh this, this is a game that at the running back position is very frustrating right it's just it's like getting your cock stuck in the zipper when you're trying to pull up your pants or like when you're trying to dip your pants back up after going going wee wee at the urinal so after zeke went nuclear against the steelers in pittsburgh in week 14 right everyone's watching zeke is feasting 140 all-purpose yards and a touchdown and then he followed that up with a straight-up disgrace. Less than 50 all-purpose yards at five catches. I suspect against the Broncos that Zeke will wake up a little. He'll percolate a little bit, but I'm still worried. Regardless of my worries, he will still probably end up being at the very least a top 28 guy, so he's a low-end RB2 type of guy, but again, I'm not super excited about Zeke. But if the Broncos defense player they played last week, Zeke might run for fucking 150 yards and three touchdowns. Javante Williams is going to be a start for me as well. I am really starting to get frustrated with the Broncos offense, though, they really feel like a cock tease. Shout out to Bobby Sylvester. They really started to make a comeback. Like the team, now, not last week, of course. They got spanked by the Lions, but season they start to make the comeback, right? Oh my gosh, did it. They're going to be this playoff team. And then they fall right back on the face. Now, their schedule is very easy for them to make the playoffs. But again, their performance against the Lions was diabolically bad. It was very, 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 very bad. Now they face a Patriots team with a sneaky good defense, my confidence is wavering. He's a low-end running back, too, that might end up being a running back three in that kind of a range uh, by the time I release my rankings video on Thursday for the running back position. Now, Samaje P. Ryan has looked good at multiple points of the season, but at the end of the day, he will never be given the workload that you actually need for you to start him, for you to reliably start him, so you're going to sit him. Kelvin Harris, assuming that Ramondre misses again with that ankle injury that has made him miss the last two games, I assume they leave him on ice once again, right? The Patriots are just dead, so there's no need to really bring him back. That would believe Harris is the running back two behind Zeke. Harris did score last week, but he had four touches, so I expect him to fall outside of the top 60 at running back this week. Now we move to Christmas, the Las Vegas Raiders at the Kansas City Chiefs on Christmas, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Demir White was the clear lead back last time against the Chargers last week in a obliteration of the Chargers defense. This was 
legitimately, like we joked about a Bukake before. This was a Bukake. You get a touchdown. You get a touchdown. You all get a touchdown. It was an Oprah Winfrey level offense from the Raiders. It was crazy to see, genuinely. I don't think anyone saw that coming. I know the Chargers defense is straight up dick cheese, but I did not expect that. White had 17 carries for 69 yards. Very nice. I like. As well as three catches on four targets for 16 yards and one total touchdown. Assuming that Jacobs is out yet again with that quad injury, that puts White into the RB2 range of things this week in Kansas City. Now, last week, Abdullah was outsmacked, outsnapped 70% to 20, 27% by Zamir White. While Abdullah has pass catching upside, Assuming there's no Jacobs, like Zamir White is the clear lead back, so he's the guy to have. Isaiah Pacheco is expected to return from his shoulder injury this week after missing two straight games. I do worry that based upon how McKinnon and Clyde edwards Lair actually looked, that Pacheco might not be fully, like, balls deep in there in this offense this week, right? Like, maybe they ease him in. Just the tip type of deal here. Now. Just because I worry about that doesn't mean that it's like, oh my God, panic mode, rank him outside the top 24, right? He's he's a higher end running back too. He's like running back 13, 15, that type of range, right? So you still really like him. But again, he might be getting less snaps than normal, which is a bit concerning to me. It's concerning enough for me to not rank him in the top 12. With Pacheco back, it feels like McKinnon will be the running back two on the team ahead of CEH, despite how good Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's look, because McKinnon just has that pass-catching role a lot better than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. McKinnon has scored now three touchdowns in the last two games, but with Pacheco back, it really rains on McKinnon's potential league-winning campaign here, so McKinnon's back on the bench. Next up, we move to a game where, hey, 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, maybe this is the, the Giants versus the Eagles. Maybe the Eagles are so bad, they're so frauds that... Tommy DeVito serves up a fucking steaming hot W, but that's probably not going to happen. So this is a game, you know, you just put on, go hang out with the kids, go hang out with the family, right? Don't pay attention too much to this one. Giants versus the Eagles, right? We, we know how this one's going to go. Even with the Eagles looking so bad, this might be a steamroll. Now, as Theo Vaughn would say, the tush push makes me want to kick a fat kid at Kmart. That's generally like, when I thought of what should I say about DeAndre Swift, that's the first thing I thought of. The tush push is so fucking annoying. It's so frustrating. Now, again, Nick, they're not going to ban the tush push. I know they're probably not going to ban it, right? Swift can literally turn the defense into pixie dust. And just because he falls on the one yard line, right? He falls fucking a micro cock away from the end zone. He gets screwed. Last week, he looked good in Seattle on Monday Night Football. Yesterday, 18 carries for 74 yards, two receptions for one yard. It's hard to believe that Swift will shit the bed here on Christmas, but it is certainly possible he gives us coal on Christmas because he hasn't been a top 24 back since week 11 against the Giants. He has to be good, but based upon how the tush push has kind of screwed him over and based upon how he's performed recently, he's in the running back 22 to 24 range. Now, Gainwell has seen a recent ramp up in touches, but still having six or fewer touches weekly doesn't move the pendulum, the needle at all. One of these days, he's going to score in Vulture Swift, but hopefully that day is not against the G-Men on Christmas. Now, for the Giants, Saquon and the Giants offense were lifeless last week against the Saints. They got smacked up by Derek Carr. Barkley had nine rushes for 14 yards, two receptions on two targets for 23 yards. We just saw the Eagles' defense get sent into the shadow realm by the rushing attack of Kenneth Walker. Charbonnet, again, he didn't have like a great game, but he rushed pretty well. So, you know, the rushing attack of Seattle had a nice day out there. 
So on paper, Barkley should be fine. But, and this is another like big butt scenario, shout out to Mia Malkova. If the Giants offense continues to look how they did in New Orleans, we may need to send a prayer up to the seven gods of Game of Thrones, right? For Barkley to smash. He is a low-end running back too. Because even if the Eagles offense or the Eagles defense sucks donkey cock, DeVito isn't good in this game. Saquon's not going to get very many touches. When Saquon is healthy, Matt Burita is as useful as a hole in your head. So Burita should be on the waivers. Final game here, the penultimate, not the penultimate game. That would be the last game. The grand finale, the semifinals of your fantasy football uh, matchup. Ravens at 49ers. Game of the week. The Dolphins game is my game of the week, but this is really the game of the week. The two number one guys, number one prostitute in all of Kazakhstan, Wawa Wiwa, uh, San Francisco 49ers, number one, in my opinion, in the NFC, the best team in the NFC. Ravens, the best team in the AFC, going toe-to-toe, mano e mano Now, Gus Edwards might mess around and be a league winner just due to him getting jolted into a very strong role, predominant role, that he had when Keith Mitchell wasn't as involved, and now Keith Mitchell is done for the season, sadly. Press F to pay respects for Keith Mitchell. I really like Keith Mitchell, so I am, like, I, press F to pay respects is a joke. It, I, it's serious. Like, I am actually sad about Keith Mitchell. So hopefully, I wish him a great recovery. Uh, now, it is possible that with Melvin Gordon on the team, they go back to that true three-headed backfield dragon approach. But with the upside of Edwards being multiple touchdowns at a given game, we've seen it this season, I will list him as a fringe start. Now, the 49ers defense does scare me, but hey, the Ravens may just be that good. Without Mitchell, I assume that Hill becomes the guy getting the second amount of touches behind Gus. With Gus being the goal line back, though, regardless on how good you think Hill is, the upside is very limited. The opposite of Russell Wilson, who's unlimited. Christian McCaffrey is the 101. I tweeted this. He's the 101 of fantasy next season. And I don't think there's much of a debate about it. Now, I know, sure, you could say, hey, Nick, Tyreek Hill should be the one-on-one. I'm a Dolphins fan. I love Tyreek Hill. But when you try to actually think of things, who is the running back two right now? Who would you draft as the running back two behind Christian McCaffrey? Try and think about it. Sit there and think about it. Who is it? Because you're not going to have a a clear name, right? Are you going to draft Raheem Mostert in the first round, right? Is it Bijan off the hope that Bijan is good magically? Like they fire their dumbass head coach, they get rid of their quarterback, right? Who's the running back to? Hard to figure out. So with so much uncertainty at running back, I'm just going to take the guy. Now again, Nick McCaffrey's got hurt in the past. Everyone gets hurt. So to me, I think if I was to, if I was drafting my 2024 fantasy team right now, I'm taking McCaffrey. If I had the number one pick, I'd take him. I really would. This man ate the Cardinals alive last week. Now, Nick, it was just against the Cardinals. It's not very impressive. How many other running backs are running for 200 all per getting 200 all purpose yards, three fucking touchdowns against the Cardinals? You already knew to start him though, so regardless of the defensive matchup you're gonna play him, fire him up with confidence against the Ravens. Jordan Mason, the numbers Mason, what do they mean? We'll get around four to five touches every week with CMC healthy. There is no need to start any other running back on the 49ers offense. Let me know in the comments. If you don't have a question about this week, who wins this game? Ravens or the 49ers? I think the 49ers are the best team in the NFL, and it's in Santa Clara, so we're going with the Niners. I believe it's like Levi Stadium. Maybe they changed their name, but Santa Clara, 49ers. I got the 49ers over the Ravens. Let me know what you think because, again, these are arguably the two best teams in the NFL. So thank you guys all so much for watching. If you've got a question, and maybe I don't answer it in the comment section, you can get a guaranteed answer 
on Patreon. $7.50, link in the video description. You'll also get my weekly rankings, week 16, week 17, as well as week 18. If for some reason you're a bastard and you're playing week 18, making me make more videos. So if you guys do end up enjoying, make sure you guys you did end up enjoying, not do end up enjoying. The video is almost fucking over. Hit that subscribe button down below as well as hit that like button. It would help me out a ton. If you want to follow me on Twitter or X, please do so at NotoriousFNTSY. Check out one of the videos pointing the wrong way on your screen right now if you haven't seen them. So I love you guys. Hope you have a great one. And as always, good boy.